0: Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. uses directed.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com slash specialoffer. All lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.
0: What's up, gang? Welcome to the greatness machine. I'm your host, Darius Roshazday. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now listen, the Greatness Machine were about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Sam Penny's uh, uh. in the
2: house, baby. What's up, brother? Man, just, you know, living life here in Australia. <laughs>
0: oh, well, dude, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mashazde. And man, boy, or do we have a badass motherfucker in store for you. My boy, Sam Penny, is here. So glad to connect with you, my friend.
2: Man, I'm pumped. This is going to be cool. I'm looking forward to this chat.
0: Dude, I, I am too. This is You guys don't know this. This is a reunion. I haven't talked to this man in about 12 years. So that's my favorite part of the show is when I'd have my reunions and me and Sam are reconnecting live for you guys. So uh, let's do a little bit of housekeeping then we'll jump into the show, is that cool? Awesome. Awesome. Guys, look, the format of the show is quite simple. We are the greatness machine and we're bringing together greatness from all over the world and really looking for people that have lived their passions to create that greatness. And my boy Sam here is neither short of greatness nor passion. So we're gonna get to hear about some really cool things he's been up to. And I'm really pumped to ask him to be on the show because I think you're a, a wonderful human being and you've done some really cool things. So thanks for being here, my friend. Um, before we go there though, a couple of things. We are live streaming. So I got my team on standby. Uh, start a watch party. You're gonna wanna share this story with everyone and then some, they're gonna wanna hear about the inspirational things that Sam's been up to. And um, yeah, ask questions. I got my team on standby. They'll shoot the questions over to us. We'll ask them as they come in. Uh, but as I said before, you know, we do have a very special guest. Uh, we're half a world apart. Uh, what is it? It's like eight o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning.
2: Uh, 8 30 here in the morning. Yeah. 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 You're, you're, yeah, you're so up. a little bit too early for Soundgarden though. <laughs> Never too early for Soundgarden.
0: <laughs> but you guys, uh, so yeah, we are so lucky to have my friend Sam here. Um, Sam's a serial entrepreneur, CEO, and head cheesemonger at Cheese Therapy. And he is the 191st Australian in the world to swim across the English Channel. So I'm so excited to hear all about that. And then some how you doing, man? It's been a while.
2: Yeah, I know. I can't believe it's 12 years. I didn't realize it was that long. It feels like it was only maybe a couple of years ago that uh, we caught up in in Boston. And yeah. what a blast that was, huh?
0: Dude, I can't believe it. I, I actually, you know what's funny is that Facebook fucks with you a little bit because you see people <laughs> as they're doing their things, right? And then you're like, it's been that long and I'm like no it's been a decade and two years I haven't actually like chatted with you live because we're sitting here commenting on stuff and stuff like that so yeah no it's seems like yesterday we were at MIT learning and growing our businesses and here we are a decade later and a lot of things have changed in both of our lives but man um, so you you were in a previous like private prior to the cheese business you were in um, I believe it was like a health marketing business isn't that correct?
2: yeah it was a medical device um company so uh we we were basically a b2c business um we created a, a technology that um basically improves circulation in your legs uh awesome for postmenopausal women so i used to get fan mail every week from <laughs> uh from postmenopausal women nice it was, it, was, it was a heap of fun though like we we just kicked some serious goals we are uh, We were in about a third of the pharmacies here in Australia. Um, Yeah, it was it was an awesome business.
0: Oh, that's so cool! So, so you, so you, did you sell the business or exit it?
2: Yeah, we sold that. um, Sold that, and uh, then sort of went on to try some other things. But like sort of, like all good entrepreneurs, we have some failures. Um, My next sort of thing after that uh, was a uh, a mistake. Uh, but also at the same time, I learned a lot about myself and my uh, my shortcomings,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, which I was then able to, I guess, avoid uh, in the future.
0: So, so um, what? Like, I, I, I don't want to pry, but like, what what did you what? Did, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, like the dream of most entrepreneurs. Is to build the business and sell it. And then and then I think a lot of people think that they're like, oh yeah, when that happens, I'm just gonna go and hang out. But the reality is the energy that got you to become an entrepreneur that doesn't just like go and that doesn't go and start drinking beers on the beach the next day. That that energy is there and it wants to do something, and you're like you don't have that machine of your old business anymore. So now you're hunting for that next thing. Is that what happened with you more or less?
2: Oh yeah, exactly. And yeah, you know, when you've got a sale coming up, you're you, and you know that it's going to happen in, say, a month, two months' time. Uh, you're already sort of planning those next steps. And like you say, as an entrepreneur, you can't sit still. You need to keep moving because you just have this um, insatiable appetite for energy and to keep going. And, um, you know, sort of what I love about entrepreneurship is that it's such a creative um, space to be in. You're using so many aspects of, you know, your mental, your mental state, um, your physical state, you know, the amount of hours that you've got to put in, you know, really just drives you to all hours of the day of the night. Uh, But also, you know, stretching your mind as far as it can go, moving into new parts that you just didn't think uh, you were capable of. Um, Learning the entire time uh, new skills. It's, yeah, entrepreneurship is, you know, for me i just absolutely freaking love it
0: yeah no i'm, I'm with you um yeah that it's 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 amazing to, to see that and and, and to see what you've done which is you're in the healthcare space and then you know the medical device space you exit that business and then when you started going and like how did you end up in the cheese business because that's such a that's such a different business like i mean like who like how do you end up at cheese when you start off in like m- postmenopausal? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like medical advice.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yes. It's a very good question that I get asked at least two, three times a week. And uh, you know, the small Pacific Island country of Vanuatu, you've heard of Vanuatu I've before. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tiny, yeah. tiny nation, uh, third world country. It was owned uh, co-jointly by the French and the English. Uh, and Helen, my partner, I just got absolutely so drunk on Vanuatu for an entire week with a couple of friends. Uh, and the, the English did, didn't do much for that country, but I'll tell you what the French did, because the French um, established a supermarket there, Au Bon Marche, and uh, the supermarket had has this massive champagne section. So we, I love champagne, man. Oh, yeah. Champagne is my spirit animal. Oh, right, really? uh, <laughs> I love it. And uh, we were just drinking all these different champagnes, every single day but what it also had was this massive long uh cheese cabinet about sort of you know five ten meters long and it was jam-packed full of amazing french cheeses just stuff that i've never seen smelt tasted before so every day we're having great champagne but also having these really unique um french cheeses and when we came back to australia we just thought you know let's you know when you go on holidays you want to recreate little parts of your holidays that brought you so much pleasure. So we went out uh, to get some cheese. Uh, but then we realized that we've lost that deli and cheese monger culture here in Australia. Wow. Uh, everything's very much dominated here in Australia by two giant supermarkets. Uh, and because of the supermarkets that, you know, these two supermarkets have about 80% share in this country. Uh, so the produce that goes through there is just, it's all mass produced. It really is quite flavourless, you know, has a shelf life on it that's sort of two months, um, two months long, uh, which for cheese is ridiculous. Uh, And so Helen and I just, you know, thought, well, how about we just fly some cheese in to Australia? And if, you know, we love cheese and we should, I'm sure that we could find other people who like cheese and we'll make a like a little, cheese club let's you know try and make a business and that was seriously the extent of our market research on this business (laughs) Uh, (laughs) we like cheese other people like cheese who doesn't like cheese right yeah exactly it's it's cheese um Mm. yeah and so we started we launched four and a half years ago uh and so for four years it was just helen and i you know uh cutting cheese, wrapping cheese, packing cheese, sending cheese, you know, just eating cheese, you know, sort of every week and just like it was just to us for four years and then we hit 2020 and our business has just completely um, transformed. But uh, the link, I believe, between medical devices and my cheese therapy business is that uh, something that I have really worked out is that I enjoy uh, making people feel better, and that's what my medical device mm. company did. It made people feel better, um, and you know, cheese cheese makes everybody feel better. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So, it, so I really, I'm using very similar marketing techniques um, that I used back with my medical device company uh, is what I'm using with cheese therapy. So, even though they seem completely different right. to me in my mind they are extremely similar
0: interesting so the per- your core purpose is the same you want to make people feel better
2: yeah exactly you're
0: expressing it through a different product and but no that makes total sense I, I i mean i i always say the product's the widget you know like the widget's the widget and if you're doing it for the same reason or if you're you know if the product gives us the same feeling then you know obviously it's a little different but no i that to- makes total sense
2: yeah That's
0: yeah <laughs> So let me ask you a cheese question. Um, yes. So, what's your favorite cheese?
2: Man, the question I get asked every week. My favorite cheese is the one that I'm eating right now. Um, my, to be honest, cheese for me uh, is a lot. You know, it's I don't particularly look at it from the perspective of you know sort of that's a nice Camembert or something like that. I'm in a fortunate position where I know the cheesemakers. I know their backstory. I know what goes into making these cheeses and exploring um, new cheeses with our makers, uh, you know, understanding how, you know, they might have had some hardships in making this particular style and then tasting that that came through. Uh, The flavours of cheese change throughout the year. You know, you've got your autumn milks, your spring milks, Uh, you know, we might have a drought here in Australia, which changes the cheeses as well. So um, but also the people that I'm sharing the cheese with. Uh, So it's not so much about the flavors of the cheese that I'm eating right now. It's about that entire experience of, you know, the stories and the people that I get to share it with.
0: That's so cool. What do you guys do is are are the are the makers all australian or you guys do stuff from like all over the world Where are you getting yeah
2: um yeah we do all over the world uh so we uh you know at the moment we're about 95 percent australian cheeses and that's because we've been struggling this year to bring in uh a lot of the australian uh the international cheeses got it um yeah but you know so we've got some some pretty cool us ones coming up uh later in the year we've i've got one particularly for uh for christmas which is a u.s cheese
1: yeah.
2: um because the u.s has a pretty cool cheese scene like australia does yeah, uh, yeah. australia and the u.s have uh, pretty much like new world cheeses just the same as wine you know australia and the u.s um when it comes to cheese and wine aren't constrained by the rules that europe has placed on them right and so our cheesemakers get to um get to really uh try new things you yeah, know and the cheese out of the us i love this one i do it every year it's called barely buzzed by beehive barely buzzed. uh it barely buzzed it's a hard cheese like a cheddar um okay. but it's coated in uh, lavender lavender oil and coffee grounds what and it makes this thing it sounds so bloody bizarre and revolting but it's it's more like caramel and butterscotch it is freaking amazing Oh um, yeah. yeah, and it's, it's because, uh, there's no rules applied to, uh, the cheese making in Australia and the U S it's awesome.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify in the world of successful partnerships. Names like Procter and Gamble, Ben and Jerry, and supply and demand echo through a business history, but when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through, but then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is it's unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. Yeah. My, so, my my wife used to work for these cheese makers in Northern California, uh, Cowgirl Creamery. You know that? Oh, yeah. 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 She worked for Cowgirl Creamery and she'd come home and bring <laughs> like, and then she was like, oh, geez. she's like sitting there, like working in the factory making their cheese. But I used to get like Red Hawk and their Stilton and all this stuff. Right. She brings oh, nice. crazy things. And yeah, it was in Point Reyes in Northern California. There's a really cool cheese scene up there. Um, but I'm with you, man. Like, oh, God, you're making me hungry for cheese right now. Um, we did. <laughs> we had a question come in right now. Um, how do autumn milks and spring milks taste different?
2: Yeah, so the, the spring milks are quite uh, they're I guess, more thin, you know, just think, you know, springs sort of all the grasses coming to life, there's a lot more moisture in it. Um, they're not as dense in nutrients as what the autumn grass will be. So in autumn, the, those grasses are really starting to dry off and they're really nutrient dense. Uh, so we get a much thicker, creamier milk um, coming from those from those autumn milks. Uh, you know just so much more flavor in in autumn but also you know if we look at something like uh, sort of sheep's milk goat's milk uh, spring is just absolutely spot on for those kinds of animals Mm. because you know we're in lambing season uh, everything everything just comes alive so we get a sort of a a richer flavor out of uh, an autumn milk but in a spring milk it's, it's more lively you know sort of you know what spring's like, man. Like all the flowers come out, everything's green. It's just a beautiful time of year, and it's also the same. You know that's sort of reflected in the cheese. Yeah, so it's cool to be able to sort of see these differences uh, in the milks and the flavors.
0: Oh, it's so cool. My um, so I grew up. My dad, my dad's Persian, right, and um, and so I grew up. My dad always had feta, and he'd get mm. like Bulgarian feta and French feta. And like these, you know, and the Bulgarian's very, like has more of a sour, you know, it's a little stronger. And, um, and I was a kid and I would see it brined. So he'd have it in this like big brine. And, and I always looked at him like, that looks so disgusting. I remember being a kid thinking, that looks disgusting. Right. And then something happened. I think I was, and my dad would make his own yogurt, like homemade yogurt. So he was you know, just like old school purging guy making like Greek yogurt for himself because you couldn't buy this 25 years ago. It was hard to find. But I remember watching him eat the feta and it had a strong smell. And I remember being a kid and being like, that looks gross. Now, I don't know what happened. I was 21 or something and he eat it for breakfast because in like Mediterranean culture, they'll have, you know, like some lavash with some feta, maybe a little bit of eggs. And so when I was, I guess, yeah, like 21, something, I got like the feta bug, and I started eating it. Like, I think that that's actually one of my favorite cheeses. Do you guys get, get some good feta down in Australia?
2: Yeah, I think sort of feta has particularly changed away from the crumbly dry fetters that you right. know, sort of we tend to know it's more of a soft curd. Uh, you know, instead of being in a brine now, the soft curd is in maybe a say like a lemon infused olive oil or something like that, right. you know, or some garlic. And really changed the texture as well. So having a nice sort of smooth smoothness in the mouth, you know, perfect on salads and, but even just, you know, sort of a, as a bruschetta.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh. You're <laughs> killing me, I mean, You are really making me hungry.
2: <laughs> it's dinner,
0: Good. it's dinner, dinner time where I'm at. We're talking <laughs> about amazing cheeses. Um, so I want to switch gears here. So you, you guys started the business four and a half years ago. You, you, you got it off the ground. It's doing really well now. And, and about probably right after you started the business, somehow you decided, oh, man, I'm doing all this cheese stuff. Maybe I should swim across the English Channel. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> like, like how, did that, how did that come to be? Because were you, were you, I mean, dude, I was blown away to see that this is something you were trying to do. And by the way, so this is, for all you watching the show right now, this is how you figure out your friends trying to swim the English Channel. You're watching on Facebook and you're seeing that they're going and putting themselves in ice baths and coolers and stuff. And you're like, what the fuck is that guy? Like, that's a question (laughs) that goes in your head that goes, what the fuck is that guy doing? (laughs) And then you start reading the comments and you figure out he's training to swim across the English channel. And I was like, no way. That's crazy. So let me ask you a question. Were you a competitive swimmer before you did this or was this just like this thing you decided to do?
2: Yeah, I swam uh, as a kid, you know, sort of like, you know, sort of most sports as a kid, you sort of finish at the end of high school. Uh, but I took up swimming about six years ago as rehab for my back. You know, after years of cycling, I, you know, my back was ruined. So I just had to, I had to do something. So took up swimming. Um, what I love uh, is like 50 metres, 100 metres um, sprints, you know, Okay. Freestyle and butterfly. That's my thing. Um, short, sharp sprint stuff. So I thought, um, yeah, let's let's swim the English Channel because there is obviously a natural progression between a 50-meter sprint and a 21-mile um, ultramarathon swim.
0: Yeah. Potato, uh, in the United States, they say potato, potato. It's the same.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you can see, like, sort of... So um, And so basically... I've always had this fascination with uh, just trying to do new things, you know, stuff that people just go, you know, you can't do that. If someone says you can't do that, it's like a red flag. And it's going, yeah, I'm going to give it a go. Uh, (laughs) And and so I, I, here in Australia, we had a couple of um, really famous swimmers back in the eighties. I think it was. So, you know, as part of my childhood, I knew a couple of these big names of the English channel. Uh, And then, you know, the beauty of YouTube, I started hopping on watching everybody who had you know, sort of put a YouTube video up, seeing their experience of it. And and I just thought, you know, I actually want to try that. I want to see what it feels like to not just swim the English channel, but to prepare for something like this. Right, Uh, Because I just thought, you know, sort of I can... I can change and adapt to anything pretty much. And so I just thought, yeah, I'm going to give this a go. Uh, and so I got a coach, um, my coach actually holds the record for the English channel. Uh, and you know, he only lives about an hour from me, which was absolutely spot on. Brilliant. Um, I live at the ocean here on the sunshine coast. So I've got the perfect place to, to train. Uh, But yeah, sort of swimming more than one kilometre was ridiculous. Uh, So that's where I just decided, yeah, let's give it a go. Uh, I was really fit for 50 metres, 100 metres swimming. Um, And yeah, so I just thought, all right, I'm just going to give this a go. Um, I went and did my first cold water camp down in Melbourne. So the water was about 16 degrees. And for the English Channel, you need to do a qualifier swim. Um, which is six hours in less than, I think, 15 or 16 degree water. Okay. Um, But, you know, I lasted about four hours. I was so cold, but I didn't have to, you know, my English channel was another 18 months away or so, 15 months away. Uh, But about a week after that, uh, my coach called me up and said, Sam, there's a spot that's come up in three months' time. We reckon you're fit for it. So my my eighteen month prep became three months, and yeah, oh, three. Oh. I know. And then three months, I've transitioned from fifty meter swimmer into a twenty one miler.
0: Wait, 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 wait. So you did the qualifying swim, but you didn't qualify.
2: And then I did. Said- I had to then go to Sydney uh, to do another qualifier, which was even colder. Um, but in be- sort of knowing that I had had three months to acclimatise to cold water. Uh, Yeah, then I just started doing anything that I could to be cold. You know, uh, winter, I just, you know, I was shorts and T-shirt everywhere. Uh, There's a cold pool uh, at our National Cricket Centre near me, which was at about 11, 12 degrees. I'd sit in that for an hour or so. Uh, Yeah, so it was, man, but it was just one of the best experiences of my life. Um, Going through that immense transition Uh, and then swim in the English Channel. When you have prepared spot on, um, and I did, I prepared absolutely spot on, did everything my coach said, my nutritionist said, uh, I listened to my crew on the boat and did exactly what they needed me to do. Uh, It was almost like a victory lap. It was was great, and I really enjoyed the day. Um, Stood there up on the... Uh, at the base of a cliff at France, uh, yeah, just just stunned by what I had done, but just so happy. It was it was amazing. Just, oh my God. yeah, it's a. I thought it'd be a once in the lifetime experience, but uh, yeah, I've done some cool stuff since. It's been great.
0: I, I, I got to stop you, and I want to rewind for a minute because I didn't. I I I didn't. I thought you met he three months for the next qualifying swim you just said you went to sydney for the qualifying swim and then 12 weeks later or less than that you're in the english channel and you're swimming 21 it's 21 miles i don't know how many kilometers that is like
2: 34 k's yeah
0: 34 kilometers right so um and just for i i'm I'm not good at converting celsius to fahrenheit but what is what's the I, i think the temperature is 64 degrees fahrenheit for the english channel is that about?
2: Is oh, I have no idea what it is in Fahrenheit. Oh, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust out a calculator right now. Sorry, guys. We're in the middle of the show, but we're going to go because <laughs> our country is our idiots and we're on, on the metric system. I'm going to we're going to do this the right way. OK, Celsius to Fahrenheit. Sorry, I, I should have my team do this, but I'm going to do it. All <laughs> right. Celsius to Fahrenheit calculator. All right. Um, uh, <laughs> so you said it was, it was, uh, when you were training, you were training in what temperature?
2: Uh, about 11, 12 degrees. So, fuck. <laughs> so I don't know what that's in Fahrenheit.
0: Okay. For, for, for everyone in the United States, that's 51.8 degrees Fahrenheit. So you're like 18, 19 degrees above freezing. Um, and so that's free love. Let's say so it's 12, 53.6 that's what you were training in is that right
2: yeah yeah that's so that was when i was doing my cold water acclimatization for that first um attempt um and it was it was fantastic and so then i thought well you know what next i hate cold water uh so then i came across this other thing called an ice mile so work out what 3.9 degrees is on your calculator uh, it's
0: 39 degrees. It's just seven degrees above freezing. You're almost in frozen ice.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I did a, uh, I did a, an ice mile, right? So the water was, what was that? Yeah, it's like uh, it's, it's
0: three, 39 degrees Fahrenheit.
2: 39 degrees. So the water <laughs> was 39 degrees. The air temp was minus 2.2. 2. So, you know, sort of that's probably about, you know, it's like 28 or so.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's below freezing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, no,
0: it's if, if if it was raining, it'd be snowing. It's snowing outside, essentially.
2: It was snowing whilst I did my swim, uh, <laughs> and all for the joy of uh, because I hate cold water. I thought I'd give this a crack. Um,
0: I hate this, so I'm going to do the hardest version of this thing I hate.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, and um, <laughs> and so the way. Uh, like the Sunshine Coast, right? Sort of. I'm in the middle of winter right now. It's probably going to be 25 degrees Celsius, you know, which is a beautiful day. What's yeah. that in Fahrenheit?
0: That's, That's a beautiful day. 77. Yeah, yeah,
2: days. yeah. Exactly. So for me to acclimatise to water like this, I set up a chest freezer and had that uh, down at around, you know, sort of just above 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and I'd sit, I was able to work up to about half an hour of sitting in that. Um, and yeah, that was, and I was doing that every second day because I knew that, um, to be able to achieve this high smile, you know, I really needed to focus and, um, and get this thing done. And I think sort of, when I look back on a lot of the things that I do, there's certain things that I can control, like my, my fitness, my, mental attitude my you know cold water acclimatization and so when i decide yep i'm going to do something i'm going to do it and for something like the ice mile it is such a dangerous event that you you just can't go into it half cocked you know you've got to get get into this thing um yeah and so it was like seriously hard it took me an hour to stop shivering afterwards um i was in a car which was boiling hot like yeah, you know, so sort of we had the heaters in our van blaring full on afterwards. I'm just uncontrollably shaking. Um, I was so tired after it from just the shaking afterwards. It was phenomenal. How yeah. long did it take to swim that mile, the mile? Uh, twenty five minutes. So yeah,
0: 25. and so when when you're, I mean, I guess there's a boat, so you don't freeze. I mean, you could die of hypothermia. I'm, assume, I'm assuming that's your biggest risk. I mean, what happened? Yeah. They're like making sure that you're not like passing out. I mean, like.
2: Oh yeah. So I, ha- I had a guy in a kayak next to me uh, the first day on the day before I had to do like a 1K qualifier kind of thing. And during this thing, I had these three dizzy spells whilst I was out swimming and it, it actually really scared me. And I just thought, you know, looking up at this guy on an inflatable kayak, um, <laughs> I just looked at him. And I just thought if I passed out, I'm fucked. Like, yeah, there's no not, way. He's not, real. he's not there's really. There's no really. way this guy was going to save me.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way that guy's not diving into freezing cold water to save you. Huh? He's like, ah, help, help.
2: Yeah, and um, and then we uh, and then that night we were sort of we were staying in the same house, and he proceeded to tell me how he saw two people die the year before doing it. I was going, Like, why are you telling me this? The night before this swim. Yeah. So I could, what's he trying to do? Oh man, I don't know. I could not swim. I could not um, sleep that night. I was just petrified um, because I also had my kids there as well. I just thought, geez, you know, what if something did happen? But um, right before my swim, uh, in like the three, four minutes before, I was in the car just warming up and getting a little bit psyched up for it um not feeling very confident though all of a sudden the sun came out uh and then i reflected on all the the actual hard work and training that i have done for this thing uh then all of a sudden the uh the whole process became more of a formality it was unreal it was such a great Uh, thing to be part of yeah
0: wow so so i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you a secret you want to know a secret right now yeah all right so i i um I don't know if you remember, I lost a bunch of weight since you last saw me. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look different. And so I, I, once I had lost weight, I'm, I've always been a pretty active guy. But I was just, you know, I had this weight problem as I became an adult. And, and, then, and then I lost the weight. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to go, you know, like, like, I'm going to hit the gym hard. Because I always love going to the gym. So I got back into the gym. And I'm lifting. And I kind of got careless. And I tore, my, I tore this rotator cuff in college. I was a wrestler in college. So I tore this rotator cuff lifting in college, and I always loved to lift. And then I tore two of my like two of my tendons in my rotator cuff on this side. So this is like October 2018. Now fast forward to March of 2020, and I've been dealing with this fucking torn rotator cuff now for like 14 months. And I went and got an MRI and all this stuff, and the guy's like, "Dude, we're gonna have to cut through a bunch of clean tissue to repair a bro I'm like, well, "What? This, what the hell is the point of that? Like, you're gonna to cut through?" Healthy ligaments to repair a torn one, and then repair the the healthy ones. He said it's probably gonna put you in a worse position than you're in right now because it's so deep in your. And I said, well, I'm not gonna do that. So what are my options? He said, well, you know, you probably just deal with physical therapy and see what you can do. So anyway, long story short, I do the physical therapy. It gets a little bit better, but it's still like just bothering me. And it's actually now my like, shoulder blade. And so COVID's here, and I haven't worked out for a couple months because I was doing like some Pilates and stuff like that and I got a pool, I built a pool and I've never had a pool before and I built the pool so it's 14 feet long and 30 feet or 14 feet wide, 34 feet long it's like almost half the size of a 25 meter pool and so it's, and it's intentionally so I could swim in it and I was like, well, I got this pool well, first of all, actually, I'll take that back I went, now you're in Australia you guys may not have had this problem but here in shit show America I went to go buy weights but all the weights are sold out because well, no, Australia
2: bought- was like that too, yeah <laughs> Weights and bloody toilet paper.
0: Yeah. Fucking dumbbells and toilet paper and hand sanitizer. So (laughs) (laughs) the the trifecta. And so I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like everyone's on eBay selling them for like five times their normal price. So I was like, well, looks like I can't buy dumbbells to work out. So then I'm like, hey, dummy, you got a pool in your backyard and it's like early spring. You could go in the pool and it's still March. And I was like, "Eh, it's too cold. I'm not doing that. So then by, by the beginning of May, I was like getting stir crazy. I've been in the house now for seven or eight weeks. I haven't worked out. I put on a couple of pounds and I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to swim. Dude, I've swam every single day now since, March, since May 9th, with the exception of like one or two days. And I, now I, now, and on Saturdays, I do my distance swim. And this is just, it's 34 feet long, right? So I'm up, wow. to, I'm up to almost two miles in the pool. Now, I've never been a swimmer, ever. But I go every day and I swim. So then I was like, man, I wonder if there's like a distance swim I can do. Like, I've never been able to do endurance sports because I got short legs that are with flat feet and bad knees. And so, <laughs> but I but I can do, but I can swim for like a couple hours. I'll go in the pool for two hours and swim and like, fine. So I was like, man, I'm going to talk to Sam because I think I might want to try to swim the English Channel. Like, I think that, like, I was so blown away by you doing it. I'm like, that's a really cool goal.
2: Like, yeah. It but- is. It's, it, it. Man, everything about it, like sort of it changes your entire lifestyle. It changes your focus. Uh, it's something that involves your family as well. Um, and it, it is a huge feat to undertake, uh, but it is just amazing. And the people who make it, you know, about maybe half the people make it, but the ones who don't make it are the ones who just haven't done the right prep. You know, you don't need to be a, you know, sort of a, you know, a swimmer all your life to swim the English channel. You just need that pure grit and determination to, to, you know, to get there. So yeah. when you,
0: so when you did it, you get in the water, it's cold, right? But you've been pre- preparing for it. And I, if I recall correctly, you actually had to gain weight to do this. Is that, is that? Yes.
2: So I've been to the English channel twice now. So the first time was August, 2018, that was in the middle of English summer. Um, I I had the absolute dream day. There was no wind. The water was glassy. the The water temp was the hottest day of the entire year. The wow. air temp was, you know, one of the hottest days as well. Um, I started in sunshine, finished in sunshine. I had the absolute dream English Channel run. It was unbelievable and like nobody nobody gets to start in sunshine finish in sunshine um nobody gets you know just these conditions you you know one thing my coach uh instilled into me is that you train for the worst conditions and oh, yeah. you know when there were massive storms off the coast here I, i'd get out in the ocean for you know four or six hours at a time and just swim through crap you know utter crap slop um conditions uh but, yeah, sort of – and then, you know, you sort of train for the worst and hope for the best. And, man, I got even better than what we'd ever hoped for. It was so unreal. Can,
0: wait, so you go out and – maybe I don't want to swim in the English channel now. <laughs> <laughs> when I said that, you're like, he doesn't even know what he's talking about. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's such an amazing thing to, like, you know, just to try to fight for, right? But but so, you, so the way you train is you're like, I'm going to go to the ocean and swim in, like, choppy, fucked-up storm, which that's yeah. – Isn't that dangerous? That's pretty dangerous, right?
2: Uh, It's It's as dangerous as you sort of think it to be. Um,
0: Yeah. How do you make make it less dangerous, I guess, is my question.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you know, it's Australian Ocean. Sort of we all know of Australian sharks and everything like that. Um, And that's constantly in your mind. Um, But, you know, sort of it's more dangerous, obviously, to cross the street than what it is to go swimming in the ocean. Um, but one of the great things that this taught me was to be able to shut my mind off. Uh, and so I could, you know, when you're driving on a long road and you just forget where the last 15 minutes went, um, I could do that for hours. So I'd be out swimming for, you know, sort of four hours, six hours or something like that. And just, you know, sort of every, I'd break my swim up into half hour slots. Uh, and every, you know, sort of half hour would only feel like two or three minutes. It was, it was brilliant, but um, the second time I went back, which was just December, uh, December gone.
0: Yeah, I remember this.
2: Yeah, this was this was uh, one of those things of yeah. I wonder if that's possible. I uh, you know I wanted to know if it was possible to swim the English Channel in winter because nobody in the world had ever attempted it. So I thought fuck it, I'm going to give this a go, and so. Um, yeah. I put in even more time in the chest freezer, more time in the cold. Um, yeah. And.
0: Would you have been, you would have been the first, you would have been, the, I think what it was, was the latest day of the season ever. You would have been the, you would have been like the first person in the world to do this, right?
2: Yeah. Nobody had ever t- attempted to swim it in December. Um, yeah. Nobody had ever, ever tried it. Um, I put in a lot of work for it. Uh, and I had analysed a lot of the water data. I had 11 years of water data of the English Channel temps. So on the day that I swam, uh, which was the 4th of December, it should have been around 12.5 degrees. 12.5, I reckon I could have made that. But I landed in the middle of a cold snap on the 1st of December. The water was 12.5. By the time I swam just three days later on the 4th, it had dropped down to 10 degrees Celsius. Oh, the air temp was only six. The guys on the boat were in ski jackets, ski pants, beanies, snow boots, and they were cold. Here I am in the in the English Channel, um, in just a pair of speedos. Um, it was dark as well. I started at like four a.m. Um, I got about three and a half hours, about a third of the way across, and I just I was starting to feel quite sick. I thought I was. I felt like I was starting to drown. Uh, I was getting a little bit disorientated and just realized that hypothermia was starting to step in uh, and knew that I had about another eight hours of swimming to go, seven hours of swimming. I just knew that like, you know, I could try and sort of break out to sort of five, six hours or just cut it at three and a half. It was still going to be the same outcome. Uh, Yeah, but
0: like, so let me ask you a question. So like you're in that situation and what part were you like, I think I'm going to quit was it when you quit or was it before was there a moment like because when you have that thought i think i'm going to quit normally that's when you quit right sometimes you
2: could push through though right so- Oh, i went downhill really fast in the matter of 20 minutes um there was this really weird orange glow to the north um you know sort of looking as if i was looking up to russia kind of thing and it was this orange glow and i i thought that it was like a nuclear explosion. I could not work out what on earth this thing was. Um, and then after about 15, 20 minutes, all of a sudden, the sun popped up. And, and I just sort of, and I was completely um, thrown out by, I, and I was so disorientated. I couldn't work out why the sun's popping up in the north when it should have been, I would have thought, sort of further in the south. And it was that point where I started to, um, you know, feel quite sick and everything like that. And I just thought, you know, I thought of my kids, and I thought, you know, I need to be sensible in what I'm doing here, um, and I need to call it. And so that's when I when I called it. There was no, there really on a swim like this. When you get to that kind of situation, you don't have the um, the opportunity to fight through something. When hypothermia gets in, a lot of your you know, sort of just your general body just starts to shut down. And um,
1: right.
2: yeah, you need to sort of think about your actual life. Uh, sure, and, why, why not, you know? Like, yeah, it's kind of important.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, I mean, for all you know, you could try doing it again,
2: right? I mean, yeah, and look, uh, certainly a question I get asked a lot, um, when am I doing it again? It's not gonna be this year, I can tell you that, because really we're not flying anywhere. Right. But uh yeah look um I would never say never.
0: Yeah man, wow. That's that's crazy. I I I mean when I because I watched that and I was like like wait, but you already did this swim. And then I realized that the challenge wasn't the swim. <laughs> it was that you were doing it in winter.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it was like I was Obviously, uh, I was disappointed when I sort of, I quit. Um, But I got back to my apartment. My crew brought me back. um, And uh, I spoke to Helen back in Australia and, you know, sort of, you know, a few tears. But then all of a sudden, uh, all these messages from right around the world started to flood in. And I, I had thousands of messages from people around the world just saying how inspired they were. And it wasn't, you know, yeah, I quit, but what it was, was that I actually gave it a go. I went out there and put my balls on the line to try something that nobody had ever tried before. And, um, yeah, you know, so I had all these photos of people, you know, all through the U S in your winter there, all these people sharing photos of their lake that, um, that they went for a swim in that morning because I was swimming in the English. No channel. It was unbelievable. And um, it really showed me that uh, people respect someone who has a go um, a lot more than, you know, someone who just keeps winning.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, and like the reality is like, and I think also, and I don't know, I don't know Australian culture well enough, but American culture is all about the underdog, man. It's all about like, like Rocky, the movie, you know, that's like American, like, like, dude, like the fact that you like, of course you didn't do it. It's fucking impossible what you did. But the fact that you tried means that you didn't give a shit that it was impossible. And that, that I think speaks to the much higher ideology of like not giving a shit that it's impossible and giving a go at it to your point. So, so impressive, man. I'm so proud to be your friend and even like <laughs> know someone that like, I'm telling you, I, I was like, literally, I was like, you know, I really like swimming. I think I want to try to challenge myself. And I was like, how many people have swam the, the English channel? You I know, mean, because I knew you did it and I would never have thought even consider, and I'm look I live in Texas now, so there's not a lot of good places to train here. So I'm landlocked, yeah. but, but even, but even for it to even be a, a drop in my mind, it's because I, someone like you and I wonder how many people you've inspired, man. That's just so cool. So impressive.
2: Really. Yeah, like, you know, the English channel is the Everest of, of, um, you know, the sport. Um, But it's something that a lot more people can attempt uh, because it's swimming. Yes, swimming is such a great sport. Um, But the thing as well is that once you're in that water, it's up to you. You know, you haven't got Sherpas to carry you across. Um, You've got to, you know, you've got to put in the effort for months and months and months. You know, you need to get your nutrition right and your fitness and your mental state right. Um, everything comes back to you, even though you do have a team on the boat. Um, yeah, if you have skipped, you know, one day and not done what your coach has told you to do, then it will show up. Um, whereas, you know, something like Everest, uh, you know, you have you pay the money, you can effectively get taken up there. So it's um, yeah, I just I just love uh, the I guess the monument that is uh, the English Channel. What there's let me ask magic you in the water.
0: Yeah, yeah no, obviously. Let, can I ask you a question? Because I saw, like, when I started, I, I actually started researching this. I'm telling you, you motivated me. And I saw that there's like a thing called the seven straits, where Where people, and that's where people will swim these seven different straits. Have you considered? I know this is the, that's the, is that the toughest one? Or there's another one that's really tough too. But
2: the, the, the hardest, I think the hardest, uh, sort of ocean swim would be the North channel from Ireland to Scotland or the other way. Um, it's the same length as English channel, but sort of more at around sort of 13, 14 degrees compared to 16, 18 degrees for in English channel. Um, yeah, seven oceans. It's not something that interests me at all because, you know, when you've done the English channel, it is like the Everest, you know, sort of why go and try something, a little bit lesser, but I think that that's why I wanted to go back and try the English channel again in winter, because, you know, sort of, it, it is like, you know, trying to climb Everest in winter. Um, yeah. Everybody thinks it's possible. And at this stage it still is, but uh, I reckon that uh, it's one of those things that one day someone's going to crack. Um, yeah. And I, I hope it's, I hope it's going to be me.
0: Yeah, man. You're like the Jesse Owens of English channel swimming, just like four, four, <laughs> four minute mile <laughs> Whatever they, um so yeah so so look we're we're heading towards the end of the show here but um uh i have a question for you for, that's selfish my own selfish question but before we go there um right we got covid your business is crazy you haven't been able to swim because of that but i i can't imagine that a person like you doesn't have some semblance of an idea of what the next challenge is like what do you what do you what are you throwing around
2: yeah, uh, well, I was going to do a run from uh, in Tasmania, uh, from Launceston to Hobart. So that's around. That was going to be around two hundred miles, uh, and that was uh, for a charity that I'm an ambassador for called Just Like Jack. Okay. Um, yeah, so I was I was really pumped about that one, but uh, that was meant to be October, but that just got called off. Um, yeah, so. At, at this stage um, my sort of uh, long marathon stuff is my cheese business at the moment. You know, we've, we, what we do um, you know, like what month are we in August? Yeah. Um, yeah our sure. August is about three times our revenue of all of 2019. Wow. So we've had, yeah, man, we've had like a, what a 36 fold increase in our business. Um, wow. And so as you can imagine, sort of, all the growing pains that go with that Um, Mm -hmm. and it's just, you know, sort of 5am to 10pm days. So uh, yeah, this is, this at the moment is my endurance (laughs) event, (laughs) Um, but it's just, you know, sort of whilst we've got this opportunity, we're just going as hard as we possibly can. And I think that um, if it wasn't for the stuff that I've done, you know, English channel and ice miles and those kinds of things, um, I think that that really taught me a huge amount about focus and belief in my own abilities, which has, you know, sort of allowed me just to go super hard. You know, we're trying new things, stuff, you know, we're we have changed uh, the cheese scene here in Australia. Um, you know, we would be the third largest retailer of cheese in the country now behind wow. the two supermarkets. So yeah. in terms of artisan cheese, we're the largest. Um Back in February, it was only two of us. Now there's about twenty five of us. Oh wow! Um, oh man, it's just crazy. So, but the focus that I've learned um, and that self belief is just one of the greatest gifts that the English Channel has given me.
0: Oh wow, man, I love it. So, um, I think you might know. I, I just wrote a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you, you probably don't know is that the book originated from our experience at MIT together. That's actually our last night at MIT with this thing happened that we did as a group that was like this seed got planted that turned into my, I became obsessed with core values because of the, the, what happened in that group on that night and, uh, and turned into a book. And so the book's all about how do you, how do you essentially turn the core values into the, uh, an immersive language for your organization or for your life? You go, it's, it's specific for business, but you can apply it to any organization and including a family or your, or yourself. And so um, my question for you is, you know, if you, if you think about, you know, your current, the, uh, do you guys have, you guys, I'm assuming you guys have your core values for the cheese business. Is that, do you, have you guys done that?
2: Oh, look, I think we talk about our core values every day, but I haven't got them written down on a, on a sheet of paper or a board. okay um, but, you know, yeah.
0: but, but you know what they are. So, yeah. so, so, but, so what I was going to ask you is, you know, when you think of your life and you think of your, your, the business you're doing right now, you think of these, the, like, what core value do you think is really, you know, is really the core value that kind of resonates with these different things that you're doing that kind of are these great things that, that make you feel like you're alive?
2: Oh, I think so. The greatest thing is to always have a go. Um, you know, that's what we do right through cheese therapy. You know, we're trying new things, we're just thinking we're not constrained by the rules. Um, you know, all of my sort of sporting endeavors, I'm always, you know, constantly trying new things. Um, and I think you know, we're never afraid to, never afraid to fail. Like we stuff up quite a lot, um, but man, we learn from it. Uh, Yeah. So I think sort of it's, that is definitely sort of right up there in terms of our core values. Um, But also we understand the privileged situation that we're in to help so many people. And that is our biggest daily driver, just helping people. You know, we've, because of the work that we have done this year, we've kept about sort of five 600 people in their jobs. Uh, we've we've kept about 20 cheesemakers afloat. Um, you know, and they were all facing financial ruin when COVID hit and also our bushfires earlier in the year. Right, right. Uh, you know, all of our dairy farmers are, you know, in a very similar situation. Um, so we've just by being able to help so many people that's what gets us up every single morning just being able to make a difference um with the work and the effort that we do
0: oh man i love it brother sam so much gratitude man thank you for coming (laughs) on here man it was this was really fun and it was very cool to hear your story and and i I wish you guys all the best of luck with the business and and um dude just keep doing what you're doing man it's so fun to watch you from the outside awesome thanks a lot darius All right, guys, listen, um, yo, I always forget, where can people find you guys? Obviously you guys, are you guys guys just shipping in Australia, are you guys shipping elsewhere? I mean, obviously with COVID, it might be different now, but what's going on, where can people follow you? Where can they
2: find you? Yeah, look, um, jump onto Facebook, uh, cheese therapy on Instagram and Facebook. uh, And you never know, we might be in the US shortly.
0: Ah, uh, okay. And then what about if they want to follow your adventures in uh, with extreme swimming? We're, we're- yeah,
2: uh Facebook, my Facebook page is Sam Penny, middle-aged bloke, but can swim good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys, you heard it you heard it here. Uh <laughs> I love that. Um guys, uh as far as everything goes, we got another show coming up here in a little bit with Daryl Lamon. Uh, she's gonna be talking about New York city and writing and being a professor and all these amazing things. Uh, follow us at the real Darius M on Facebook. That's where all this live stuff originates from. You can subscribe at the YouTube channel. Um, our channel is the real Darius or go to my website, the real and you can subscribe, sign up for our newsletters, gets all the updates and we'll be following up, uh, sending out some information about these talks, updates, clips, all that good stuff. So thank you so much.